So you're not ordained, but you minister in the church and your paycheck comes from the church. That income is how you pay for your groceries, your car, your rent, your childcare, and all that stuff you do to earn that income. All that stuff, what do you call it? Is it your job? Is it a career, a ministry, a vocation? All these different ways of thinking about employment aren't so straightforward when you're employed by a church but aren't clergy. There are so many connotations to these words, and how you think about the activities that you do as an employee of the church, as a servant of the church, the way you think about what that is really matters to how you identify yourself and how you delineate between the work you do for the church and all the other stuff that you do in the rest of your life. This is Music and the Church, a podcast about thinking bigger in your faith and your ministry. And I'm Dr. Sarah Brisa, the Minister of Music at the First Congregational Church of St. Louis. Today, I'm joined by my friend Crawford Wiley. Folks who've listened to the last season of Music in the Church will know him as my co-host, and now he's back as Conversation Buddy. Crawford is the Director of Worship and Liturgy at St. Jude's Parish in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, and I am so delighted to have him here talking about ministry and identity for those of us who are full-time employees of the church, but not ordained. It is so great to have you back on the podcast. It's really good to be back on the podcast. I'm glad that we're making time for this. Uh, So, ministry, vocation, jobs, employment. That's what we're talking about today. These are things that kind of all meet together for church musicians because you have to have food. You have to be able to pay the rent. So, you need a Mm -hmm. job. And also, as a church musician, frequently the job is and this is where we're really lucky, is the thing that you love doing and may even be the thing that you feel is not just what you love doing because you're skilled at it, but is a ministry in a way. Mm -hmm. So right there we are at the nexus of being a church musician. Yeah. This conflation of different identities. And we realized in uh, planning this conversation that this, this conversation is probably relevant for many people in church work because of the way that working in a essentially a nonprofit, but a spiritual nonprofit, really connects with issues of identity. Who am I? What do I prioritize in my life? What is satisfying for me as a person? What do I want to do with like the whole of my time? And that's why we wanted to have this conversation because of how it relates to identity. Another reason we think that this is an important conversation is that it gets at this issue of personal fulfillment. What do I find personally fulfilling? And it connects with boundaries, frankly, um, which is really, really important for those of us who work in the church because as much time as you want to give, that's how much time the church will take. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can find yourself kind of in over your head if if you don't set a comfortable boundary. But And I guess this is, this is part of why we're discussing this. If... If the church music thing for you were just a job, you know, if you just showed up just to pound out the notes, as it were, then you might not have difficulty drawing a boundary. But because there's so much for me, and I know for you as well, and probably for a lot of our listeners, so much spiritual fulfillment found in it. You know, you connect with these people, you love them. Um, that that can make it a little bit harder because you don't feel like you can just clock out automatically. Mm. Oh, and that's that's the last thing of like, well, why to have this conversation is because so much of what we do for employment relates to service. And this could be service of others, service of God, depending on how you think about it. Like I'm thinking of for me personally, I invest so much of my emotional labor 
into the job that I do, job in the sense of like my source of employment is also a, a place that I serve. I serve God. I serve my brothers and sisters in Christ and and the people outside of the church, through the church. And for me, that means that I'm not engaging in a lot of volunteer work outside of the church. Right, because that, that impulse is largely fulfilled by mm-hmm. the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that doesn't mean... I wouldn't do that in another phase of life. I've mentioned on the show before I have a toddler and my husband is in a medical residency, so he works extremely long hours. So I'm just also in a phase of life where volunteerism is just extremely difficult for me to imagine. Oh, right. But you're very fortunate in that in that your job provides you with an yes, outlet for exactly, that. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like I feel what I'm doing is important in the world and that it is itself a service. My, my, uh, my work that I do is itself service. Yes. And that's, you know, mo- not the case for most, most people's jobs. So I feel really fortunate in that. But it's also something that I, I've chosen this job in part. I've chosen this I've chosen this way of living in the world in part because I want to serve. That makes perfect sense. So as we're thinking about vocation and ministry, career, job, identity, we're going to approach this topic, this whatever this big topic is, this nexus, this meeting ground of all these different ways of thinking about employment. We're going to approach this through these different terms. Here's the terms we're going to cover. Ministry, vocation, career, job, and identity. And I think that we should actually start with job because that's the one where we say, oh, it's it's just a job. And to me, when I say job, I really just mean like source of in- income. Right. And like every now and then you just find yourself saying that, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well I, and I do mean that. Like, the, like this is my job. I do get a paycheck and it is important for me. This is how I pay for groceries. Um, and if I lost this job, I would be in a a not a financially good place for sure, right? Exactly. Like it isn't. It isn't done only in a self-sacrificing kind of way. We aren't. We do not show up at the church merely out of altruism. Yeah, I, I am not a volunteer at the church. I. It is my job, and you know, I could be fired from my job. Like like job has a lot of things like that. There are job reviews. There are um, like employment laws. There's there's a lot of other stuff that goes on. You can get disability if if you lose a job. You can get severance if you like depending on how your contracts are set up. Yeah, and there are distinct expectations that say if you were a volunteer might not be there. Exactly. There's a lot of uh, responsibility. Um, a volunteer might not be a um, I forget the term uh, where where you are responsible for reporting uh, potential uh, sexual assault of minors, things like that. Whereas if you if you are at, that's your job. It it may be that you are required to do that legally. Yes, you should yes, do this exactly. morally, but legally speaking, you are in a different category because it is your yes. gainful employment. Yeah. Oh, I, I think so. Yeah. I think that job connects with career uh, very neatly. In that job is a singular thing. Like I have a job. This is the thing that I do. And I mean, you might have multiple jobs. I, you know, different income streams. But career is like the cumulative multiple jobs potentially or jobs over the long term jobs add up to a career yeah and career has a sense of of preparation for it as well mm-hmm. and intentionality like a career is usually something that you have mm-hmm. trained for on some level even if it's just your own personal interest in something that has been kind of consuming but you would think of your career as like different from just like we would use the phrase an odd mm-hmm. job you know yeah. like something something that you may have an aptitude for 
but your career is something that kind of marries an aptitude with a mm-hmm. degree of training. And, and like a long term, this is something that I want to do. This is something that gives me satisfaction long term. Yeah. You would hope so. That you continue to develop yeah. because it's yeah. your career. Yeah. So, you, so you are like yourself invested more so than you than you may be in a particular individual job. Like I've had, I've had musical jobs. Yes. Like, you know, not just like you know, working at a department store, which I've done before, but like a musical job where you could say like, this is part of my career, but that I didn't really feel like personally invested in, invested in, in the way that I do in most musical jobs where it's like, well, this is my career. This is, this is a much bigger thing than this individual Thursday night rehearsal. Right. Cause a career sees kind of multiple strands of your life and training linked together. Yeah. So we have job, mm-hmm. we have career. And the next thing is vocation. And, and I think vocation and ministry are kind of the other side of, you know, the just a job, just a career, whatever, where it's, it seems connotatively about money and which I'm not knocking money because we have to live. But like that kind of like it's not as connected to service and it might not be as connected to identity, although career gets that identity. But when you talk about vocation and ministry, those terms to which that we attach to our employment those really have a much bigger thing. So like when I think of the term vocation, I think of like this is what God wants you to do. Yeah. I think another another distinction between say, for instance, job can seem very singular, you know, a singular mm-hmm. thing. But mm-hmm. both career and vocation are larger overarching things. And I think a distinction between them, at least this is one that's helpful for me, is to think of a vocation as something that exists even when, say, you're home in the evening. You know, your vocation is still the same. You have a vocation to do or to be even. Maybe to be is a more a more accurate summation of what a vocation is. Whereas a career, you could think, well, yes, this is my career. But then mm-hmm. when I get home in the evenings, you know, I'm not my career anymore. Whereas, in fact, your vocation is something that's always present. Mm-hmm. It's part of mm-hmm. who you are as a human being. And I think for those of us who work in the church who are not ordained, vocation is kind of a tricky term because like if yeah, you are an ordained person, I think it's completely legitimate to say, well, this is your vocation. You are an ordained person. You are a minister. Yeah. And there's a lot of discussion that goes into that previously. You know, you don't, you don't just have someone accidentally become a minister, you know, well, I thought mm-hmm. I was good at this. You know, it's, there's yeah. a lot of discussion about that vocation. Whereas it's easy as a church musician just to have taken a bunch of organ lessons, you know, and you mm-hmm. might feel that your vocation is as a church musician, mm-hmm. but there's probably no discernment process involved in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think of that especially with choir directors and office managers and other people who can easily be employed outside of the church. Like with organists, unless you're teaching at a university, you're going to be employed at a church. And so right. organists, we often maybe stumble into the church, um, you know, d- just because of the instrument that we play. Whereas for, say, a choir director... Well, there's a lot of different ways for choir directors to make a living, church being one of them. And if you're an office manager or if you're a youth leader, like, I mean, you can go run a camp. You don't have to be in the church. You can go run the, right. you know, go run the office at the art museum. But you don't have to be in the church to do this thing. But then here you are working in a church. And does that, does that reflect your identity at all? Does that, is that, is that vocation or, or not? And I don't think that there's a right way. But I think that in thinking about how we live our lives, it's important to understand how each individual person, like how how do we think about that? Yeah. I think I think that would be true. So vocation has to do more strongly, I think we're saying, with identity than a career necessarily does. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well I and I think 
I, I guess for me personally, like coming back, back to vocation, it's so much about calling and that God wants you to do this. Yeah. Because you think of a career as something that you could retire from, whereas you don't necessarily think of retiring from your vocation. Yeah. And so like when I think of myself as minister of music, I don't actually know that that is my vocation necessarily. Like, I think that there are many ways that I can serve God and, and minister of music is one of them. But I don't right. think that this is like the thing that, that, that God has called me to. Like, I, I believe that God has called me to this individual job. Like, you know, I, I'm the minister of music at this church, but not that God has called me to always and forevermore be minister of music. Does that, does that make sense? Sure, sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah and like the, the difference between different musicians' sense of vocation can be pretty strong, mm-hmm. I would feel. Because some church musicians are called to that. That is their vocation. Yeah. Like there are maybe some musicians who feel that working with a large group of people, like a group of singers, for example, like that is their vocation. Mm-hmm. And then their ability as an organist might be kind of extraneous to that. It's just something that also comes with the job that is a way of fulfilling that vocation. You know, that so the vocation can look like a lot of different things for a church musician. Yeah. And, and if you're a youth leader, you may go through a phase where you are uh, training people at a camp. You're leading corporate teams. You're leading whatever it is. You're leading college students. Or you're working in the church. And... This is like something that you do and you could be the kind of person who feels comfortable working in all these different areas. But if your vocation is to be a youth leader in the church, then you really can only look at jobs like that if you're if you're going to be fulfilling God's will for you in, in the way that you understand. Yes. It. Which would go to someone like a choir director where you can find employment in a lot of different areas. Right. Mm. Mm. I bet that this also applies for people who are cantors. Because you can be employed like like in a full-time capacity because some Catholic churches employ full-time cantors. And I could imagine that for some people, they're like, well, I could also be, you know, putting together gigs as a professional vocalist, you know? Right, right. So the sense of vocation is not something, I think we're saying, you can't assume that a particular job, even a particular demanding full-time job, is necessarily aligned with a particular vocation. The vocation can exist separately from the yeah. career. Well, and I think that people do not necessarily have a vocation in the way that we're talking about it. Like, um, we're going to talk about identity in a in a bit. A vocation to me can really have this clergy over overtone that is a specific thing that you're called. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's the sphere in which we most frequently hear it referred to. Yeah, yeah, and obviously we are not all called to be clergy right, people. Right. So that brings us to ministry, which has a really interesting take for all of us who are not ordained. And I was um, I was looking up last night. I was like, ministry, ministry, ministry. What does this really mean to be ministering? And so, you know, I go on go online and I'm like, okay, well, what's the etymology of this word? And it really is about caregiving and attending attending to the needs of others. So it's a form of service. And we often use it in the church as, I mean, t- to be this, like, I am a minister of music. I'm attending to the needs of other people through music, through the music ministry that I lead. I'm ministering to the choir. I'm ministering to the handbell ringers. And I'm ministering to the congregation through the music that I program. So, like, if you think of yourself as a minister, that is itself an act of service. Right. Ministering always involves action mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. other people. There's You can't be a minister of playing mm-hmm. the organ to myself. That's not... Ministry necessarily involves a mm-hmm. sense of service, obviously, and then because it's service, yeah. other people are involved. So so ministry is your relationship 
to the people in the church, so to speak, if we're speaking about church jobs. Yeah, and it really is about, it's really about being in the church because like if you're organ professor, right. you are not yes. a minister, right? You're not a minister of the college. Or if you are office manager at the art museum, you're not a minister to the art museum, to the people in the, you know, like you, you may be a lovely person who is serving other people and has a, a heart for other people. Yeah, and you may find a great deal of satisfaction in that. But your but your actual like job, that's not the the holistic orientation of what you right. do. Right. So this gets at a distinction that I think we're going to talk about later when we discuss boundaries, but is that ministry kind of automatically when we start to think about it, ministry involves a sense of going beyond the confines of the job as it exists on paper. Mm, Cuz so much of that is emotional labor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have, say, say that there's a job which would be identical in or outside a church. So say, for example, an office manager, you know, outside the church, there could be a very clear delineation of your duties, your duties, both just objectively and then to other people. Mm -hmm. And you would know where those began and ended. Um, Whereas if you think of yourself as having a ministry within the church in that, in the context of that job, those boundaries can become a little more flexible. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Maybe flexible is the wrong word, but permeable perhaps mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. you start thinking of yourself as being in some way responsible, not directly overly responsible, but as having a responsibility towards the spiritual well-being of these people mm-hmm. for whom you have some sort of spiritual care. Yeah. And that I think that's what the ministry involves so that you you don't just think, well, I did X, Y, and Z, and that's all that's mm-hmm. really required mm-hmm. of me. A sense of ministry involves more personal sacrifice. Yeah, well, and and a willingness to engage with people where they are more so than just quote unquote customer service, because customer yes, service yes. is like like I think of like the Chick Fil A. Oh, it's my pleasure, which doesn't really mean anything. It just is like saying words with a smile. But if if you are serving serving people in the church, like there's really this. It's necessary, I think, to have a heart of love underneath that because otherwise you're going to be completely burnt out. Like there's no way to sustain this kind of job unless you have that underlying heart of love there. Yeah. But I think this this is related to why, in fact, so many church musicians famously do experience burnout is because this job is so demanding in terms of ministry and, and indeed office managers as well and other people in the church, youth ministers. But I think for youth ministers, there frequently is a sense of a vocational discernment. Like you you probably won't be involved in a youth ministry in a church unless you've talked to a pastor about, you know, your spiritual interest in that. Whereas it's completely mm. possible. Whereas church musicians are often hired without reference yeah. to their spiritual condition. Yeah, exactly. Like mm. I, for my first several jobs, there was really no discussion about, mm-hmm. you know, my, my spiritual impact on, or any sense of spiritual responsibility I felt for the church. Not mm. that it was, not that it was thought to be completely irrelevant, but that just really wasn't where the focus of the interview was. And I think that for people. I, I think that that's a really unfortunate thing in, in terms of churches and their hiring because so many churches really miss out by not really considering that aspect of the people whom they hire because so much of the work that a church musician does is is ministry. Yeah. And if you don't have someone if you're hiring someone who doesn't have that in mind, the church is itself it suffers, I think. Yes. I think this kind of connects to something else that we were discussing with the term 
a pastoral musician, which is a term that both of us Mm, actually identify with, even though we may not be fond of the term itself. But I think this kind of gets at why we may have difficulty with the term itself is because the term frequently denotes, you know, people who may not be very good musicians. And I think... I think there's a sense, this is obviously inaccurate, but there may be a sense that these are two very distinct roles or callings, distinct to the to the extent that they mm. may not commonly exist in the same people. So that if you think, oh, what we really want as a church is a very good musician, you might think that you don't want to bring up a lot of questions of vocation and ministry in your interview process, because you assume... Mm-hmm. Or that if it comes up, it's it's really not as important. Right, which I don't think is true. I think those two actually frequently exist together. I mean, uh, frequently exist together. I I just think, I think that it's important that when churches are hiring, that they consider the power of having someone who's able to spiritually lead the people in the church. Yes. Sometimes verbally, as you're leading the choir or what have you, but but also leading, leading through the music that you do. Because if you say that music is important, is spiritually important, which we do by programming 30 minutes every Sunday or what have you. We're saying that this is important, so maybe you want some spiritual direction to the music that you're choosing. One thing that I wanted to say about pastoral musician, and this leads us into talking about boundaries, is that for whatever reason, when I think of pastoral musician, I think of the term as having a potential to be as a person who can be taken advantage of. And I'm thinking about this in terms of service, where if you say, you know, "This this is my heart, this is really important for me, and then other people who are setting your hours or not setting your hours may really lean into that and just say, well, we're going to work you to the bone. Yeah, and that kind of ties into what I uh, mentioned earlier about a sense of vocation as something that you don't go home away from at the end of the day. Like you don't, mm, it's not easy yeah. to stop being a pastoral musician. You're always that. Mm-hmm. It's part of your identity. Yeah. You know, and so mm-hmm. when someone yeah. asks you to do something that may be outside, you know, the the contract bounds of your job, you may not only feel reluctant to refuse, but you actually might not even feel the impulse to refuse. You might, your only impulse Mm -hmm. might be, oh yes, I want to help you. I want to do this good thing. This is part of who I am. Mm -hmm. I want to be there for you. And it might not even occur to you Mm -hmm. that this is something that you should think about. You know, well, Mm -hmm. is, is there a sense in which I'm being taken advantage of, as you were just saying? It's so easy for people who work in the church to say yes to a lot of things and not consider the big picture. Because I think saying yes to one thing, like, sure, whatever. But I think of uh, one of the best pieces of advice that I got when I was working part-time, like 10-hour-a-week kind of church jobs. And um, a friend of mine who was working full-time was like, Sarah, you have to really strongly draw boundaries over those hours because you're only working 10 hours and like this is a job and you do have to draw boundaries around that because people will ask you to, what well, can you play for this? What well, can you play for this? Oh, we want music in Sunday school. We want to do all of those kinds of things, which is great. And, you know, churches out there, this is why you hire full-time people because then they can do these things. Right, right, right. But when you're a 10-hour-a-week person, you have to be very careful with how you spend your time. And if it's part of your identity, your inclination is to say, oh, I would love to do that. I love to play the piano. I love to do these things. And... Sure, that's great if you want to think of that as volunteer work. Great. You know, if that's how you want to spend your free time, awesome. But if you, you know, need to work 30 other hours of the week, you really have to think about how you're spending allotting your time as acts of service. Yes, yes. So something that I think about in terms of boundaries gets, really gets tied up in into identity. 
And for me, like we've been talking about ministry, vocation, career, jobs, and all of those terms are great. And I, I probably identify most with the term ministry, but actually when I think of the work that I do for which I'm paid, it really comes back to me for my identity. And throughout my whole life, basically since I was like an early adolescent, my whole life, my identity has been tied up in making music and thinking and sharing my thoughts. So like here at a podcast, but in terms of writing or speaking, you know, thinking and sharing thoughts and then caring for people. And those three things are really at the core of my own identity and you know, whatever your core identity is, it depends on who you are, obviously. So for me, I actually have an extremely hard time drawing boundaries because I'm fortunate enough to be paid for living out my identity. The work that I would already do, yeah, fortunately, is paid for, right? Like I would wake up in the morning and do something related. Like I, I used to do this podcast just because I wanted to. Now, fortunately, it's under the umbrella of my job. Awesome. But it's something I wanted to do anyway and was doing anyway because I love to do this. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this draws on something that you've touched on earlier in earlier episodes of the podcast is how to minister authentically. And I think you're, you're touching on that right now is that, is that your ministry is a reflection just of who you are. You know, when you're, when mm-hmm. you're in touch yeah. with how God is working in you personally, you know, just, just you sitting mm-hmm. by yourself thinking how you serve God, that looks like your work as a church musician. Not that that bounds mm. it, but that it is, there is no way in which your work as a church musician is existentially separated from who you yeah, are as a person. Yeah, it's part and parcel of what I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't imagine not making music. I can't imagine not thinking and sharing my thoughts. I can't imagine not caring for people. And, you know, what that will look like, you know, hopefully when I'm 80, it's going to look really different from what it looks like right now as a 30-year-old. Oh, sure. But a lot of the same impulses will be there. But I'm still going to be that same person. Yeah. So the way this for me relates to boundaries is that I have a really hard time setting any sort of boundaries around my gainful employment expression of my identity. However, since I have a family, I actually can have really strong boundaries because right, I right, got to right. pick up my kid from preschool. And, you know, like it's actually really, it's really hard for me to set boundaries because so much of what I do is an expression of my personal identity. It's what I would do anyway. Right. But your family provides you with a framework. But at the same time, it's really easy for me to say, yeah. like, I got to go pick up my kid. Yeah. It's an external framing device for my own boundaries and just saying, well, and it's wonderful because it really keeps me healthy. Like before I had my son, it was very easy for me to work really, really long hours to the point of like wasting time as I was writing my dissertation. Cause like, you know, of the making of books, there is no end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, putting a baby in the mix means like, oh yeah, it does have an end because I'm only paying for four and a half hours of daycare so I can finish my dissertation and I better end it in four and a half hours, you know? And it's really, really healthy. For me, anyway, it has been extremely healthy to have this external boundary put into my life. So could we talk for a bit about, because we've we've discussed that boundaries can be difficult, but I don't think we've actually discussed why boundaries can be essential as a church musician. What What is the detriment of not having these boundaries? Oh, to me, the detriment is that you burn out because you continually give, continually give, continually give, and then you don't recharge. If you're always giving, you're never replenishing yourself. And I think this is something that we might want to talk about just for a little bit is understanding the way in which our ministry can only be as healthy as our mm-hmm. active taking care of ourselves in terms of like receptivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we also have to receive. We have to receive 
that which gives us strength, that which gives us nourishment. So it's not just a matter of taking care of your body, which seems pretty basic, but that's really important, making sure that you get enough rest, enough sleep, enough exercise, enough good food. That kind of thing seems really basic, mm-hmm. but maybe is more challenging than, than we might let on at first. But there's also the need for emotional recharging. You know, if you are in a situation, I think, for instance, it's very easy for a church musician in a large church to play for multiple funerals in a week. Mm-hmm. Many, many. You know, and if you are emotionally involved in more than one of those funerals, that can be very emotionally draining because you're just so caught up in the emotions of people who are very weighed down by grief, you know, and some some deaths that you encounter in a church are yeah. really tragic because yeah. um, you see almost everything exactly, in a church yeah. situation. And so, so you find yourself weighed down by a grief that isn't necessarily yours and that you want to be able to be present for, but that's not the same thing. And this would also be true of, say, the joy of weddings or whatever, any situation in which you are supporting another person's emotional and spiritual journey, which happens all the time in church ministry, you have to make sure that their own journey doesn't become something that you are caught up in to the detriment mm. of your own. Um, and I think this is important because when you are in a church ministry, you have to be, and I say have to be, not in a sense of, oh, shame on us if we're not, but that this is really part of our job, is is the flexibility of spiritual presence so that on one day we are fully present for people who are in the midst of enormous joy and on the next day we can be fully present for people who are you know just overwhelmed with grief and and then we can be fully present for people who are maybe just kind of bored during choir rehearsal and need us to inspire them to sing their best you know, to find the beauty in mm-hmm. what they're doing. Like, we have to be present fully for all of that. And if all we're doing is expending our own spiritual and emotional energy and not taking time to rest and take in our own inspiration and just breathe and be with God ourselves, I think that's impossible. That's I think when you say burnout, that's what I'm thinking of is, mm-hmm. is this yeah, constant... Yeah, are gone. Yeah, yeah. And so even though it might feel, especially if you're in a a ministry mindset, you know, where you love helping people and being with people, it might feel counterintuitive to set apart really distinct large chunks of time just for yourself. I think that's Mm -hmm. absolutely essential and part of your ministry. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, It's what enables your ministry. You could even say that praying is a part of your job. That reading the Bible is part of your job. You know, actually, this is something that I also wanted to say, is that since our vocations are so tied to our jobs, in the sense that, for instance, you were saying earlier that you are just authentically mm-hmm. yourself in your yeah. ministry, which is also your job. Yeah, these things all um, come Which is together. also your career. Like, these things are just so tied together. It's really impossible to separate anything out. Like, you're, you're taking in beauty is part of your job. In the sense that you give yourself to other people. And so who you are is what you're giving to other people. And so if you are allowing yourself to be ravished by beauty or just to mm-hmm. have a day to be quiet, that that is part of your job in the very real sense that this affects 
your actual interactions with other people and your ability to give your gifts to Christ in them. I want to flip flip this around a little bit as we're thinking about weddings and funerals and all the, um, you know, oftentimes in a church you're frequently dealing with people who are very sick, who have very, very sad things happening in their lives. And for me, it's a way to continually bless the Lord because we have the good things and we have the bad things and we are continually turning ourselves to God and saying that what God gives is good and that the unnatural things in the world, the death in the world, the wickedness in the world is is going to be made right in the end. So for me, as um like we're talking about all this this emotional expenditure, mm-hmm. this emotional labor as we as we minister to the people around us in the church, what I find continually replenishing is to constantly come back to the resurrected Christ and to say all of this sadness, all of this death, this the horrible things in the world we look to the risen Christ, right? And it's a way of even in the moment of this sadness, in the moment as we pray for the people who are dying in the church, literally, we, we continually say, but our hope is in, our hope is in Christ. Our think, way of thinking about these terrible things is to say, but it is made right in Christ. Yeah, and we, we see our ministry as like a way of, a way of acting out on Christ's words when he says, like when Christ says that whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. Like we are, we have the opportunity as church musicians, as anyone involved in a church ministry, to see the face of Christ in any number of different aspects. You know, we see Christ in joy and we see Christ in sorrow and we see Christ in the innocence of children and we see Christ in couples who are just having their first baby baptized and we see mm-hmm. Christ in couples who have just had a miscarriage yeah. and we see Christ in couples who are preparing to get married and we see Christ in a couple who are now separated by death at the end of you know a 60 year marriage and like we see all of that on a weekly basis as church musicians and if we i think this really is a, a difference of perspective if we see Christ in those, we can remember that our ministry mm-hmm. is to Christ in them and not just to people who may be reacting, you know, not not everyone is mm-hmm. a saint. Some people oh, react yeah. very badly to the different situations. And so when we're ministering to people who are just completely overwhelmed and maybe are not in, emo- in an emotionally stable place, mm-hmm. we can see Christ's pain in that as well. Um, like this, this gives us a kind of center to mm-hmm. our ministry like this is what we are ministering to this is not as what we're this is who we are ministering yeah, this, to this goes back to like well why are we having this conversation in the in the first part why, why are we having this conversation to begin with and so much of this is tied into fulfillment yeah that, yeah, that yeah. it is fulfilling to spiritually fulfilling personally fulfilling all those all that fulfillment it is satisfying to see christ in other people yes it's a wonderful thing and i i am thankful for the gift of being in this place Thanks for listening to this episode of Music and the Church. Show notes are at musicandthechurch.com 30, where you can also sign up for my monthly newsletter. My October newsletter is going out this weekend, so if you're listening when this episode airs, you can sign up and still be in time to get this month's installment. I'm Sarah Bariza, and I'll be back next week with another episode of Music and the Church.